When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tonaries podcast. I am your host, James, and I'm joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Roman is on the deck. Say hi, Roman. Hi, Roman. And before we start, uh, we were on um, the Mario Rosenstock podcast last week, which was this and crack, mm. and we said, Timmy arrived <laughs> with wine jumpers, not planned, so Mario <laughs> gave us a bit of stick about that, and today we were on the Today Show with Dahi and Mar on RT Studios, and we both arrived with grey jumpers. And so, we're definitely in for some more stick, I'd say, so off Mario. Off those hard notes, they finishing these, each other's sentences. I have a blue jumper. <laughs> and a very nice one at that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'll introduce the guest. Gus Murray is um, a specialist in the MDR, amongst other things. But you've, been, you've come recommended by a lot of people over the last few months, and we've been wanting to get you on for a while. But the timing is great because we had Dr. Bessel van der Kork on recently, who you would know. Sure. And um, we thought we'd be able to delve a little bit deeper into some of the therapies he spoke about with you. So thank you, first of all, for coming on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I really am. I had heard about you too and um, some of the people that you know, I know as well. Brilliant. Mm. Before we get stuck into the drama and the trauma and all that stuff, for the people that don't know you, do you want to tell us a little bit, a bit about who Gus Murray is and where you're from and how you got into this field? Absolutely. So um, I grew up, I was born and grew up in a little small rural community between Dunmanway and Drummy League down in West Cork, yeah, yeah. Uh, looking over the lakes. And um, I am a teenager of the 1960s. Okay, say no more. And <laughs> by the end of the 60s and thereabouts, I started to become very taken by and influenced by the various movements that were happening, especially around civil rights, mm. uh, Martin Luther King, uh, the student uh, protests in Paris, uh, the emergence of the women's movement, and then more locally, the civil rights in Northern Ireland. Mm. And I joined the Northern Ireland civil rights movement. I marched in those great marches mm. uh, following Bloody Sunday and all that went on from there. Mm. And um, I would say Bernadette Devlin, for example, would have been uh, at that time uh, an inspiration for me also. Mm. So the whole idea of empowering people who were oppressed or uh, the sense of, in of justice, of yeah. all, that <coughs> all that's involved in that was an initial kind of inspiration for me. And the idea that we didn't have to be on the, the, in the grip of 
big systems and organizations, but the individual could somehow find their own freedom. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say that, um, say, the influence of people like Carl Rogers, who would have been a, a figure of that time as well, that, that would have been a pretty important one for me. Will you tell us, uh, for the people that don't know, a little bit about who Carl Rogers is? Cause he's of course. He, he would have been the founding father of the person-centred or the client-centred approach to therapy. And he would also have been a very big figure in what was then called the humanistic movement, mm -hmm. which was the movement of people emerging, uh, putting forward the importance of individual freedom, uh, uh, empowering people to uh, release their own native natural potential and become who they truly were. Yeah. overcoming the restrictions of society and other influences, that was very much the, the Rogerian kind of approach. And so from me then, uh, coming out of that kind of background, I studied social science, I was very interested in, I think what struck me was that a lot of the uh, social disadvantage mm. was a very big inhibiting force for people in developing themselves and getting to be free. So from that, as, as, you know, coming out of college, my first posting, my first position was in the north side of Cork. Mm. Uh, so I joined the staff of the Mayfield Community School mm. in 1976. Yes. And uh, I, was, I, I worked there as a chaplain for uh, seven years. And I think there, were, there was a huge development happening by coincidence at the time in Cork. And that's, you may be aware of it, the Cork, it was called then the Cork Social and Health Education Program. SHEP. SHEP. Yeah. That's him. And um, they, of course, it's now SHEP because we took the Cork out of it because it's much more universal than, than Cork. And what we did was, they, it was just after the year before, so the, those of us who were the uh, facilitators or trainers or whatever you call us in that, we came together once a week ourselves and we started to work on the very material together, experientially, that we were going to be using in our work with the young people. So we would come together and start to become uh, talking to each other, listening to each other, and starting to get in contact, become aware of ourselves, mm -hmm. um, looking at the impact we were having on others and they on us, mm -hmm. um, addressing a lot of issues that might have been taboo going back that time, mm. uh, sexuality, for example, and uh, getting a language uh, that would communicate with others around that. And so when we went back, when I was in the community school then, I would be working with young people, facilitating them to do the very same thing, develop self-esteem, communicate, um, uh, listen, um, uh, interpersonal skills, self-confidence, all of that. Back in that time, Gus, was, was like, you know, now, um, in today's age, a lot of people are after waking up and they're, af they're actually becoming themselves. They, there's, there's no lock anymore from any authority organisation or religious organisation. Do you believe, like, today people have, it's so much easier to become yourself, but back then, I'd say it must have been, really really difficult to to actually go on that journey because it was it, it wasn't something that people done how difficult w was that for people well it was actually that's a very interesting question actually because i remember thinking about that when i was reflecting back 
today about the time in, in, uh, in the school. And one of the things I noticed about that, like say for example, uh, homosexuality, the, the idea of be, being gay, mm. that was regarded as a very strange thing. And there was quite a, a degree of kind of fear of it. Mm. And they would, I would hear the uncle is telling me about, you know, this guy, you know, we, we threw stones at him. Mm. I said, what are you throwing stones at him for? Mm. Yeah. He's gay. Yeah. He, yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing, yeah. it's the threat. And it's the liberation from that. Um, the, that that was the time, if you remember, uh, the story of Anne Lovett, mm. and she was, uh, you know, uh, she died uh, uh, outside yeah. at a, in, at a cemetery or a grotto, a I think, yeah. grotto up up in in uh, up the country. And I remember being on the radio at the time talking about it, and I was saying, there there is no, we, we are yet to find a language to to talk about these kind of experiences. Mm. It, it's it's very much denied, but. Having said all that, I think it's important to say that there was great, the, it was a very um, hopeful time mm. and there was a great commitment, mm. um, perhaps in many ways more hopeful than, we, uh, than it is now. Yeah. So there were, the, you, were different, uh, you, you had uh, different factors that were both positive and <laughs> negative yeah. at the same time. We spoke with Michal Martin, our Taoiseach, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, not just name dropping him now because he's the T shirt, but it's relevant to what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> I guess slag didn't work over name dropping people from the podcast, <laughs> but uh, that's a nod to them. Yeah. But we spoke about, uh, he's uh, very passionate about education, as mm. we are. And we spoke to him about um, education, formal education around the academic stuff uh, being important, but the social and health and life skills part being as, if not more important, sure. and the development of the child being as important as the academic abilities, you know. But it sounds like Mayfield Community School was trailblazing ahead of his time at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, is it still less common for schools to really have a strong social and health part within okay. their curriculum? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't have as much contact with schools these days, yeah. but <coughs> I would say that in fairness, Mayfield Community School wasn't in any way unique yeah. At the, that time, because the, the team of us that were training in this uh, were spread among various schools and youth, youth organizations across the, across the city and county, and was being spearheaded by OGRA, the Cork Youth Association. So it was a, a really innovative, novel project, mm. and it was you know, expanding. I think, they're, I think they're doing fairly well. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in touch with some... Uh, groups who are working in schools and communities and I think they're doing quite a bit and I think there is a there's a growing language uh, for people to be able to you know stay safe and uh, communicate with each other and the whole issue of you know giving consent and being making it as a choice and all that mm. that's that would that's a wonderful development that's happening yeah yeah, yeah. it's you're, you're right in what you're saying yeah. and shep then in how it evolved is um can you tell us a little bit about that because that's a practical support that anybody can actually access and i know a lot of people that have done that course sure. and mm -hmm. all speak very highly mm -hmm. of it wonderful yeah. it, it's it's they have over it's 46 years ago since i was doing this yeah. and shep is going really strong and they are 
they have trained and enabled so many people in various circumstances, schools, community groups, youth groups, mm. and so on, to develop facilitation skills and uh, to uh, set up groups for communication and listening and mm. meeting each other and so on. Yeah. It's been a really, really good good system. Yeah, maybe if they're yeah. listening, they might give us contact and uh, they might come on, talk about what, what, what they're doing. Is it just Cork-based still? Or Not is at it all. It's, it's true. As far as I understand, it's, it's much more widespread than that. Yeah. Yeah. And that just helped... And, and just just to clarify with people what it helps it helps people to be more connected within themselves right. personal, so development. personal development, development yeah. social connection communication yeah. all of that i know a lot of guys that come from prison do yeah. that courtship course yeah. um, a lot of people in recovery do yeah. it as well yeah, that's right. you know like uh, we always say here like addiction is uh the, the using of the substance and the abstinence of the substance is only part and house is only part of it it's the personal development is the nuts and bolts of recovery and if you just put down the drink and you don't do the personal development whether it be chef mm -hmm. or therapy yeah. that we'll talk about or 12 steps or whatever yeah. if you don't do that you're in big trouble down the line exactly. you know mm -hmm. um and we all know people that uh, neglect that side of it yeah. and you know the outcomes aren't great so yeah i mean in terms of um my journey yeah. um I would say the other big thing that uh, struck me then or impacted me, say, during my time initially in Mayfield was um, Mayfield is a very vibrant community, very dynamic community, but it has very large pockets of social disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. And from the get-go, I would say that I became really aware of young people that were clearly uh, suffering and, uh, you know, disadvantaged. And uh, what I had no language whatsoever for at the time was to understand uh, trauma and developmental trauma and the way it actually uh, takes a toll on how people can be and how they are. Mm. And, um, but the, uh, what I can look back at and see is that the roots of that uh, were uh, very, very much uh, all around, uh, particularly in where people say um, poverty, uh, uh, overcrowding, um, uh, prob uh, families where they were, uh, you know, in a suffering, uh, uh, f uh, families that were troubled, yeah. um, and a variety of other factors that were, were contributing to that. Yeah, because some sometimes in psychology, um, and social services, we can look at the individual and the family as being like, oh, the, the trauma has happened, there's abuse, is neglect, and it's the family, it's the family, it's the, but it's the family lives in a wider context, Absolutely. you know, and we have to investigate the societal, you know, li like what you spoke about. Yeah. But how does poverty, social exclusion, um, social disadvantage and deprivation, how does that... Uh, impact as a, a developmental trauma in what ways does that evolve well it creates uh, i would say that what happens is that uh, and of course sometimes that's transgenerational that yeah. people are bringing it mm. together um, so that that actually gets us to think about what do we mean by trauma mm. and that's a very important question and uh vessel your friend yeah. that we spoke about, Bessel van der Kolk. Bessel would say trauma is not what happened in the past. It wa it's what continues to be living in us. Mm. And uh, we're living as if the past is still in the present. Yeah. So I would say that 
the question you're asking is so vital. Mm. How, do, how do the circumstances around us generate trauma? Mm. So the circumstances around us generate trauma in this way, that in the normal course of dealing with challenges, so challenges like we mentioned, conflict, uh, domestic abuse, um, alcohol, uh, substance abuse, all the things that fall out of that poverty um, and all the things that go along with that, overcrowding, mm. sexual abuse, yeah. and you know, but not just those things, but also uh, what we would say, things that people need but didn't get, unmet yeah. needs. Uh, so a, a baby that was born but somehow wasn't reached. There wasn't somebody there to be able to mirror and Comfort. Comfort and support and nurture and all of that. When this happens, it overloads the system. Mm. We're not able to digest it. Mm. it, it, it it's, it's too much. And what happens then is that our system puts up, sets up a defense. Yeah. Yeah? And the first defense it sets up is what's often talked about as fight and flight. Mm -hmm. we, we, we charge up and we either want to escape or we want to fight back. Mm. And I'm sure I don't have to say that if you travel around uh, different parts of the city and other places, you will find, say, teenagers and they might have hoods up mm. and these are little babies inside, yeah. but you'd swear they were going to kill you. The demeanor that they yeah, have is, right. is very angry. Because they have anger and they have fear and the two are running hot yeah. together. And you have them inside in schools and teachers know this well and uh, I would be working sometimes with people from schools and you know helping them along with stuff and they, they, the teacher would look at them and say have you got your homework done? No, why? Don't you talk to me like that and then you have It's just a trauma response The trauma response is kindled and is ready to go mm. you get out and then they're outside and they're gunning for the teacher because the whole thing is their energy is up yeah. that that fight and flight response is ready on the go if it's cultivated in their earlier life mm -hmm. in the way you ask about you know wh how does it happen what happens after that is that depending on the nature of the trauma if it continues without any relief you can only take so much and there's a shutdown and that's buried inside, shot away inside, and then starts to play out and say things like, um, you know, acting out behaviors, mm. and uh, the people go for alcohol, drugs, gambling, uh, the, uh, a whole variety of, of, of acting out behaviors that mm. people do. Mm. So you, you have the two forces, you have the outward going aggression and avoidance, and you have the inward one of shutdown, dissociating and shutting ourselves away mm. and these behaviors like the alcohol the, the region the, the acting out the drugs the gambling um, from my experience these behaviors were actually critical t towards my survival as a human being because exactly. if they were not there i was having to deal with all that trauma and i didn't know how to deal with it i wasn't able to feel it so where the dr drink and drugs came into play was it suited me yeah. and when it became a problem the drink and drugs it didn't just suit me it also took full control of my thinking yeah. 
and I could not think of anything else, you know, but with drinking drugs and gambling, then we all know anybody that's had addiction problems will know that Mm. there's a crossroad at the end of it where if it doesn't kill you, you have to make the biggest decision of your life, either to go into treatment, go into hospital, whatever it may be, to get some form of um, abstinence from it, and then the work starts. That's right. It the work starts then, and it's about therapy. It's about it's about dealing with that with a, a psychotherapist, EMDR, yeah. whatever it may, whatever suits you. And yeah. for me, on my own journey, it was a number of different things, like yourself, James, yeah. but. Um, there's no there's no one size fix all but no when you spoke there you explained it yeah, brilliantly brilliant, and i could yeah. s- i could see my story and what you were talking about <laughs> when i was in school um because of stuff that went down in my life um not able to kind of sit still and you know acting out kind of boisterous that altercation with the teacher that you described that was me out and out yeah. so much trouble in school yeah. but you know after time when I finished school and I left, that kind of, it's like over over years, I lost that kind of fight in myself and it just become repressed and I started using and then I became almost kind of like a, what I would describe as a kind of a pathetic being really. And when I see, when I think of how I used to be in school and teens and then how I became kind of into my man, it just, it, it, it killed the spirit over time. And then you look for the relief from it. And when you were speaking, I was thinking of, um, you might be familiar with the American sociologist Robert Merton. Yes. He has strain theory. And within that strain theory, there's a piece called retreatism. Mm -hmm. And it's basically when there's strain in someone's life through pressures psychologically and socially that people uh, in addiction, they retreat from society and they give up on trying to achieve culturally mm-hmm. defined goals like having a job and having a good car and when all these avenues mm-hmm. are blocked from you you just retreat and I think that described me what you described there mm-hmm. and that theory it described me mm-hmm. completely and that's the beauty of education education gives you degrees gives you job mm-hmm. opportunities but it's such a huge opportunity for personal development and to be able to understand your own life isn't it absolutely so do you get a lot of people coming to your course because you're a teacher as well sure in, in um, CIT sure would you get a lot of people coming into your course with backstories like myself mm-hmm. and Timmy obviously there's a motivation sure. to get in there in the first place yeah so that actually I'd, I'd say that then uh, I, I joined the staff of CIT in the start of the 90s 1990s and um, I would say that uh, I got a great opportunity there was a, a need there and I had the done a good bit of training by that stage uh, to set up a counselling training. So we started with, <coughs> with a certificate, then we went on to a higher certificate, then we did a, we started a degree course, a Bachelor of Arts in Counselling and Psychotherapy, and finally a Master's. And just what you said, the people, the, 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 the take-up was massive, continued to be massive. In fact, it was one of our biggest problems because, unfortunately, we had to turn away too many people, and mm. you never want to do that, but we had to because we just didn't have the scope. Mm. But th- we, we took in people. Many of them would have themselves had therapy, mm. and then they began to like turn, turn it around and say, well, I, I, can, I have benefit from this. I, maybe it's something I can do. But it also coincided with an opportunity for many 
for to go back to school. Yeah. After maybe leaving school quite early, they got back and they got back into education and they got themselves a degree. Mm. We trained hundreds over 26 years and um, I'm very proud of it. I must yeah. say, very, very glad to have been associated yeah. with it and part of it. And um, they're everywhere. They're, we, we, they're in Cork, they're in Kerry, uh, Limerick, Tipperary, Waterford, um, you know, uh, County Clare, yeah. and even beyond that. So it, it was a, a really good opportunity, uh, first of all, to give them a chance to re find their talent mm -hmm. and to develop it in hopefully a fairly capable way. And then <coughs> to serve people, to serve other people, uh, you know, respond to the needs of other people with that. And yeah, sorry. Well, I was just going to say um, about people that did take up the course and they have made, been through the same kind of role as myself and James. Um, they can really understand the whole mm -hmm. process and the development of, of, of the human being you know, yeah. at that at that stage, and I think when when somebody that's in early early recovery and they're trying to figure out their whole meaning to life, and they have somebody sitting across from them. Now it doesn't matter if you're somebody that didn't have problems or did, you know, if the therapist mm -hmm. did or not, because some therapists that are very very good anyway, whether mm -hmm. which goes, you know, but when somebody's sitting across from you and they can relate to your story because they've mm. been through it too, I think there's a real in-depth connection as well. Uh, really, you know, it's, it's a different connection and makes things a little bit easier, yeah. doesn't it? But the one thing about that then is maybe yeah. people, may, maybe therapists have got similar backgrounds to the patient, but they would never disclose that to the patient mm. either, mm. or the client. Um, but um, one thing that mean to me sometimes come up is people act, people contacting us looking to come on the podcast hi lads love the podcast has helped me in this way i am now uh this was my life was so bad i know it's great i'm six months away from everything and i feel great we'd always say come back to me in 12 months time yeah. do you know what i mean do you get that and do you get that like people trying to be psychotherapists and you kind of have to say all off do with the personal development yeah. do is, is that something that would happen absolutely that was actually one of the biggest challenges yeah. that i uh, we encountered was to actually ask people to wait mm. because at one level it, they feel rejected they feel you know yeah. pushed away but actually our our attempt has always been or was always to um give to encourage them to use the opportunity to do their own work and to get ready more fully ready and uh, some of them could be listening and say, I, I know what he means by that. <laughs> and <what laughs> that but that, that's, the, that's the way that uh, we went on it, attempted at least to go on it. But it was never easy. So you can't continue until the following year exactly. if you're not ready. If you're not ready. That was okay. one of the challenges of it. And yeah. as I say, it's not easy to, that's often broken as very bad news mm. to somebody. And yeah. it's a tough, tough, tough one. Mm. Yeah. It depends really on the person. Yeah. It, it, right. If the person knows that, they're they're not ready for the next post because mm. they go on and be a psychotherapist and and understand it in total but is one thing but for me one of the most important factors is to understand yourself as a psychotherapist and right. to get to know yourself no in, doubt in depth mm. and then you can really really put the work in for other people and even from the college's perspective like if you have graduates going on to help the most hurt people mm. in society you have to be able to stand, stand over, over their practice no question yeah. 
no question. Um, That's definitely so, so you see, I suppose, uh, in terms of what you were saying there about the meet the relationship, that's the that's the foundation stone. And whatever therapy we're ever going to use, without that, it's not mm. the the quality is in, is compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to ask you about there was um. Losing my train of thought. I have something else there of you, what I think. Go on, go right. on. Um, so, when did EMDR come into your okay. life, mm. and 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 what really blew you away about it for you to get get so much involved in straight it? to the juggler? And that's so. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I I'm very much welcome that question. Yeah. I think it's so important. Uh, that that actually it will take a couple of minutes, but yeah. I'll just give it. Um, basically, when I trained and learned therapy with the social health and all the rest, we were doing communication, person-centered. So we were offering a therapeutic relationship in, the, in Roger's tradition very much. Uh, he, he said there were three core conditions, mm. uh, uh, realness, congruence, yeah. unconditional regard, accepting the person, uh, who they were, and empathy, understanding where people were coming from. And that remains, in my view, a core fundamental plank of any therapy anywhere, having those. However, what we discovered is that over time, and we, we were all doing therapy by sitting and talking. When, when I was starting in Cork in 76, uh, there was very little therapy. Counseling psychotherapy was in its infancy, mm. emerging in Ireland. And we learned by literally have chairs, we'll talk. Yeah. And we listen and, you know, do, yeah. do that. But what we began to discover over time is that there's a limit to what is achieved by talk alone. Mm. And nobody better than Bessel van der Kolk to say that or to, to explain that. Yeah. So over time, what we began to discover was that talking very often is reaching the front of your thinking brain. Yeah. But actually, trauma is below that. And what Bessel would say, trauma is in the nether regions, yeah. down in the brainstem, in, in the center brain. Uh, that's where the trauma is. So trauma is in the body and the emotions mm. more than it is in the thought. Mm. And my, added, my sound bite is you can't talk your way out of trauma. Um, you can't. You can't talk your way out of trauma. So I heard about EMDR. Uh, the, the, it started in uh, the 1987, I suppose, or thereabouts. For <coughs> a, woman, excuse me, a woman called Francine Shapiro, a, a very s strange and ordinary event. She was, had been diagnosed with cancer. She was walking in the park. And as she was doing that, um, she was feeling disturbed in a very you know, significant way. And then she focused on it, on the disturbance, instead of trying to avoid it. And then she noticed her eyes started moving back, uh, horizontally and something started to shift. Then she went off and she started doing that deliberately. She found out it had an effect. And that started, I would say that opened the window. It didn't, mm. it didn't do, what has happened since is phenomenally bigger than that. But that was the window that opened, that started the idea of EMDR. Um, 
what EMDR has been able to do is instead of talking about what happened to us, we help the person to bring their attention to the memory or the experience. Mm. At the same time as you help them to stay here in the present. So that's a vital piece, that we, we help the person to get in touch with their present strength, support, resourcefulness, at the same time as they get contact with the memory. If they can tolerate the two of those together, we're, we're, we're a long way. That's the first. The second thing we do is we have a sequence of steps that we follow, but all of them are treaded with the idea of what we call bilateral stimulation. And so if, if you're talking about bilateral stimulation, what you're talking about is imagine two points in the wall in front of you, and you go, your eyes go this, 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 this. My head mustn't be moving. This, 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 this. The bilateral stimulation at the same time as we're being able to hold a present time contact, hold our own co contact with our own resources and with the memory of the trauma, what we find is two things. One is the disturbance goes down. Mm. And the second thing is it starts to link up. What we're believing is happening is that up to then the trauma is held in its own network in the brain and locked away from contact with our own functioning capable selves mm. so what happens what happens this if, if somebody f feels a traumatic experience but can't remember it? Uh, no problem yeah no problem at all it, it, it's it, because it, it's it's, it's there what you're saying is they feel it but they haven't a conscious recall of it mm. yeah maybe it happened when they were a baby and it, yeah or in the womb yeah or, or any time like that. I was working with a woman recently and she's scared of, you know, um, any kind of enclosed space. Um, lifts, uh, small rooms, aeroplanes, trains, anything like that. And what we, we happened back to was she was incubated as a baby. She mm. was put in an incubator and that started it. Now, that doesn't mean it's finished when we clear that. Mm. But So she has no memory of that. She was told she had it. And, but she has it in her body and in her emotion. And what our job is then is to help her to notice what comes up when you start to feel it in your body, bring that, and then we follow the bilateral stimulation. That starts to kickstart the process in the brain where the networks, what, what the old <coughs> adage is, things that fire, wire to, fire together, wire together. So they start to generate a connection between the traumatic fragments that are lodged away mm. and the resilience and capability that we have. The, the fundamental thing is that each of us has inherently in ourselves the power to heal ourselves. Mm. Mm. But there has to be, it has to be facilitated and released. And that's what we're attempting to do with EMDR. Help the person to, on the one hand, find contact with their own resilience, resources, external and in internal, and at the same time, meet the material in the trauma. Mm. Get them, get the, them talking to each other, uh, in in terms of the networks. Mm. Get the, them moving together, not in the thought level, but in the body and in the emotions. Mm. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. massive. Do you thinking there? Mm. If um, if somebody was doing EMDR or wanted to do EMDR, do they need to have a certain amount of talking therapies done yeah. first? 
they need to be licensed <coughs> as a mental health professional. No, if if a patient or a client. Oh, no, sorry. Could you go straight into that? Or Absolutely. Would you, you could straight into it. I I love the ones that come straight into it. I I have people that would never have sat in front of a therapist, mm. but they would have been, say, for example, stuck in a road accident, or they would have been assaulted, or something like yeah. that. And I, they're sitting with me. They don't have any of the lingo or anything like that. So we build a relationship, and I begin to say, bring it up. Notice it. Now bring up your own strength as well. Now let's have a meeting. In fact, it's, it's perfectly suited mm. because we have little uh, gadgets then that help. Th- they hold them in their hands, and they, there's a lights on them, and they go across and back, and they vibrate, and they have it, they, the bilateral stimulation is happening that way. And they begin to notice the change happening. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely no problem whatsoever that a person has or hasn't had talk therapy. The benefit of talk therapy would be that if the stuff is not just a road accident or a mugging, but it's deeper, mm-hmm. they may have a bit of kind of rooting around done, yeah. and they may have a bit of fluency in contacting their inners, yeah. the inner experiences. And so therefore, when they sit with this, they're already in a certain sense, they're not spooked by it yeah. Mm. yeah it would be like um it would be like somebody doing ayahuasca that is involved in meditation first yeah because yeah, they, cool. med- they complement each other yeah. really well yeah. so if somebody wanted like i'm thinking out you know if somebody is listening and you can be sure somebody is listening here that has had very traumatic experiences in their life that they wouldn't dare and tell anybody they can resolve those experiences through MDR without actually telling the therapist. Yes, and I, I'll explain that to you. Uh, in fact, uh, I've heard Bessel tell a great story himself when he went to train in EMDR. Uh, he was put, you do it, we go into a practicum and he had, he was a cli- there was a client, uh, one of the other trainees came and he says, um, have you something you want to bring? The trainee said, yeah. He said, you want to tell me what it is? He said, no. All right. <laughs> and then he said, uh, well, you, you're aware of it? He said, yeah. And what's the message and what's the emotion? And I said, yeah. And then eventually they finished and he said, um, well, he said, I feel a bit relieved. Hmm. He said, um, thank you. And I said, I never saw anything like this before. Mm-hmm. He said, is there something wrong with me that he didn't want to tell me? Mm-hmm. But actually, there isn't anything wrong with anybody. The, the place where this was actually used mm-hmm. big time was actually with the Yazidi women in Iraq. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how it was used was they were sold as sex slaves. And that's taboo in that mm. tradition. What's taboo is that you, when you get married, you must be a virgin. So they weren't going to come along and say, I was raped. But they had the trauma of the rape, mm. or multiple rapes. Yeah. And so they come to the therapy. So we have the term we use is blind to therapist. Mm-hmm. We do the work blind to therapist. And that's a particular protocol. Te- you, 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 don't tell me your, you don't have to tell me the story, but just bring it to your own attention. Mm-hmm. See if you can tolerate it. Help you if you can't. We'll res- do a bit of resourcing. Then say, what's the picture? Now you don't have to tell me, but you have a picture. What's the message about yourself? that comes with that picture. I'm mm. bad, I'm this and that. What, picture, what would you rather have as a message about yourself? It, it's not my fault, I'm a good person or whatever. 
What emotion do you meet? Uh, anger, shame. Uh, how disturbing does it feel? Zero to ten. Eight. Do you notice where that's in your body? Mm-hmm. My chest. Let's go with that. Mm. And you do, you don't hear the content, mm. but you're you're facilitating them to know the content mm. and meet whatever is there and process it as well. Has somebody ever just literally jumped off the table because of the release of of the experience because it's trapped energy? Yeah. Has somebody started to shake and convulse oh, yeah. and 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 and, yeah. and I know that through my own experience with meditation because I've often released different forms of energy. Say, for example, if 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 there's something going on for me in a given day, the minute I become conscious of it, if there's something going on, if it's fear or shame, minute I'm conscious, I feel a shift of energy coming from my lower chakra, down around my perineum, and it just comes up. And I can feel it going on through the top of my head. Brilliant. It's every time, the minute I bring awareness into anything like that, uh, particularly if it's shame, yeah. you know, I just bring awareness to the shame uh, or guilt. Yeah. The minute it's brought up, I feel it. And, and so I, I know, and I've seen people get into fits and fits of convulsions of shakes, mm. literally uncontrollably and they have no control over it and it's a release of it, of of of, of, of uh, emotion from down here even it, it brings me back to even a time that i done the ayahuasca when i was when it when i felt the the ayahuasca working through my body i could mm-hmm. feel the blue not blue it was a light green energy and it was just coming from my toes up through my body and it was like I got a clearance the lower chakra the first one the perineum and it hit the second one here mm-hmm. just below mm-hmm. my nasal here uh, and yeah and, and it just it froze you know and, and I didn't look at it in any other bad way or anything I knew there's more mm-hmm. but every time I bring awareness into anything there's a release and I can feel it and it's all about it's energy it's energy trapped but it's lovely to hear you talk about that uh, I mean it's it's what actually it's what you'd be hoping would be happening yeah. um, just to say one or two things about it uh, what uh, what led me further into that aspect of it was that <coughs> in the team in, in the RCIT team we had some people who were very body oriented in their trainings mm-hmm. and I was seeing the way they were working and I said I think this is a missing piece in for me so I headed off and I did a full somatic body therapy training uh, over a few years. And like I often said since, you wouldn't, th- when I got trained in fully into body therapy, all the clients started having body responses. Mm. As if somehow they weren't having them before. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was actually that I was ready to see them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like I was inviting them to meet the body responses in themselves. And the result is that now, the, exactly what you're saying, I'm ha- keeping an eye out all the time for how much the stuff is held in the body. And I'm thinking of, say, somebody who was in a bad car crash. They, uh, they were, you know, the, 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 the uh, airbags coming at them and the whole thing. And um, they, had, they were hit with something on the head and uh, so on. And I did the full protocol with them, and they were grand. So I said to them uh, at the end, um, how's your head doing? Grand, it's very clear. 
Mm. Do you mind if I try to contact, make some contact with your head? And say, what are you meaning? Part of the somatic work allows me to do some direct touch in the, as part of the therapy. So he said, yeah, sure, if you want to do that. So I said, okay, I'll just touch you. And he jumped. And we spent about 40, 50 minutes where just as what you were saying was happening, he was shaking, he was jerking, he was jumping, and then he said at the end of it, you know what this was like? He said it was like a very vigorous workout. <laughs> the whole body was actually after letting down what it had been holding. <laughs> so the, the, the EMDR is an integrative way of working where you draw in, uh, interweave as we say, other ways of working, other therapeutic approaches to complement it. Yeah. Mm. And, and you use those very, di very dynamically together. It's like Dr. Joe Dispenza always says, a thought wrote the emotion, a traumatic thought wrote the emotion, the experience of it, it means nothing. No. Mm. And that's, it, it goes back to what you said, it's, it's, it's EMDR is the release of yeah. the, the actual experience, which is the emotion that's yeah. trapped that's through through that experience yeah. and that the, the trauma is not the part you can recall it's not, no it's, it's not the head. emotion and exactly, the feeling yeah. that, that attached to it but and that's going to help a lot of people yeah. isn't it it's great like when you described EMDR there mm -hmm. and you gave the example of Bessel and that very kind of transactional uh, thing he had with the client where he came in he facilitated never, one or two words were spoken the client left the job done yeah. Um, it really kind of correlates with the Rogerian <laughs> philosophy of like the person has the innate yep. ability to self-heal and we facilitate it. Do you think that, um, I suppose like two questions, the genuineness, unconditional positive regard and the empathy, do you think that a therapist can um, learn these or are these, uh, you either have them or you don't, core traits? And if you didn't really have them, could you be an EMDR therapist? Is the relationship uh, with the client as important when you're doing EMDR as it is with a talking therapist? Okay. I think the first, first, the answer to the first part of the question is, uh, Rogers was of the view that we have them in us, but they may have been blocked. So in other words, uh, the unconditional regard, congruence, empathy, and all that, the capacity for those, he said, is inherent. But it may have been blocked. Mm. And so therefore, the, the, when you said earlier that we need to do our own work, yeah. the, the task of that would be to call it out. I think I'm able to offer those more fully today yeah. than I was 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Having uh, parented a daughter didn't take from that. It certainly... <laughs> You didn't lose your empathy for women, like <laughs> no, I, I gained a lot. I you can did, tell I you, and and, and she has been one of my best teachers. Mm -hmm. So, um, the the um, going on then to your second question about e EMDR and the relationship is a hot subject for me, because I hear many many people saying, I I I don't want to do EMDR; it's too mechanical, and I say. If EMDR has to be mechanical, then I want nothing to do with it. Okay. And I really mean that. If I can't have a full-bodied relationship alive in and through the session, then we're not doing good therapy. Mm. But I absolutely uh, readily agree that the risk of EMDR focusing on method and structure and 
you know, all of those sort of te- methodologies yeah. could take from the relationship if you didn't be care- if you weren't actually very deeply committed to it. Mm. So the relationship has to be uh, the, fo- the, the 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 bedrock, and the the methodologies have to work in and around it. Mm. Mm. Do you know, for psychotherapists in training, is the EMDR core part of the course? No. It's an add-on. It's something that you pursue it's an add-on. after. Uh, in order to train in EMDR the way it's set up at the moment, it's not in the colleges and universities. It's, uh, it's done uh, post-qualification. That's the way it is set up in the world. And um, you must be already qualified. You must have... Your bachelor's uh, or master's. Uh, you must have a fund, well, whatever level of qualification would be needed to be accredited in the field yeah. as a mental health professional. That's the current arrangement. I think that it's a pity that it can't be brought into a more in, in, integrated more fully into the uh, general college training systems. Mm. The the way it is done at the moment, it's a very short course. It's about eight nine days training. So you couldn't possibly train anybody who mm. didn't have their own frame of course. already in place. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, it makes sense too. Totally. We spoke with Bessel van der Kork around alternative types of therapy in mm. terms where people don't need a therapist. You know, um, acting, drama, dancing, yoga, sports. What would your opinion be on those? Oh, yeah. So vital and complementary. Um, I would say that... Um, the benefits that people are getting from the doing something physical so movement of any sort um, the aerobic stuff as long <coughs> as it doesn't become obsessive yeah where, where they can, because that's another difficulty that's another mm. way of acting stuff out mm. but if you're using it in a measured way it's really really brilliant mm. um, dance um, and um, uh, drama a yoga, tai chi, any of those are just absolutely yeah. brilliantly complementary. And of course, then mindfulness is another dimension because EMDR uses mindfulness. Um, you you don't talk about the content in EMDR; you notice it. Mm. That's that's what you do. Do you know the aspect of dance and music and drama? If somebody's doing that at home on their own, right? It's great, but what I've noticed from my own experience, if I'm doing that in front of other people where I would have never done it before, I'm breaking a barrier. Yeah. Mm. I'm allowing myself to feel vulnerable. Yeah. I'm breaking through the barrier of fear. Yeah. And that, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me now that you said, yeah, it dance yeah. and drama, they're massive things to helping people grow as well yeah. because of that fact, because you're allowing yourself to... The, the breakthrough from that um, armor of protecting yourself because yeah. of what other people think. No, you just you're, you're you're jumping around the place and and you're dancing and you're you're acting and it's yeah. like it's a great release. It's yeah. like breaking through the barriers of of, of 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 what we just spoke about. Oh, absolutely, and 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 releasing yourself into more freedom yeah. and uh, becoming more uh, confident and be getting mirrored and accepted mm. or acknowledged for what you're doing and so on. And uh, as um, in, as Bessel says as well, like when you like you reconnect with your body, yes. do you know what I mean, and That's you start right. to notice your body reconnect with other people yeah. and touch. They're all very important, but as well for people in recovery from addiction, do you know. A healthy risk is very good for your development. You know, yeah. step out of your comfort zone. 
leave yourself vulnerable like open your mouth in a group stand on stage we're yeah, in the opera house on Saturday yeah. night you yeah. know we didn't go from using drugs to going to the opera house we had to take oh, tiny yeah. little risks along the way mm, yeah. by opening your mouth in a treatment centre by speaking to a counsellor yeah. by going on a job interview by doing all these things you know starting a podcast going on TV and all these risks they help you develop and develop and develop before you know George you know doing, d- doing things that you thought you'd never do so um, I think what you're talking about there is yeah. that healthy risk mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's vital for people in early recovery mm-hmm. especially Ste- stepping out yeah. is there another form of therapy that you, you that's not really as high as just psychotherapy EMDR, EMDR that's coming to the forefront at the moment where people psychedelics are really probably yeah psychedelics is, is talked about but is there something else that's well, really kind of there, there, there might be a little breakthrough with it I think I mean I was listening to Bessel and yourselves talking and uh, Bessel mentioned neurofeedback as well yeah um, now I've just trained in neurofeedback actually since started in the autumn in, in August um, mm. it's neurofeedback is a very uh, very very interesting uh, and it's very new in that way and I suppose just to say this and it may be important to say this that we couldn't be doing a lot of what we're doing 20 years ago mm. because we didn't have the benefit of neuroscience mm. the, the ability to scan the brain and to start to be able to find what's happening inside mm. and get access to that so what neurofeedback has done then and that's about that's about how old it is probably maybe a little bit more is it you put on the electrodes on your head in strategically placed positions mm. and you have a computer screen and you have a computer game and basically with guidance you start to get the brain to move in the direction that it needs to move in so in other words if your brain is uh, overstimulated, which is a very common one. It's overcharged. It's 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 over aroused. You attach the electrodes in brain positions that are calculated to calm you, mm. as as one of my colleagues says, is calming the fear-driven brain. Mm. And then the program that you have on the computer, you get rewards for the more of that you do. And so it's a training of the brain to recalibrate itself mm. now we couldn't have done that certainly 20 25 years ago because we didn't have that knowledge that capacity access in that way and mm. um, the, the 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 movement in neuroscience is really really amazing and it's happening uh, one of the guys said to me there last year he said you know we think we know a lot at the moment he said Tw- 10 years time we'll be laughing at how little we knew yeah and, and that's that's the, where we're at. And there's another colleague of ours in Scotland who is working on what he calls the deep brain and re- beginning to catch on to the very original, uh, you know, arrest the, 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 when the child reached out yeah. and there was nobody there. Yeah, that's brilliant. Very deep, deep place of uh, primitive kind of self-defense, mm. survival defense that's lodged way down in there. Mm. That's, and that's brilliant. Finding a way to ca- reach into that and begin to, um, you know, uh, process, allow us to have to tolerate it first and then start processing it, processing it to bring it home. Mm. That actually gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, sure. That 
a process like that because yeah. for a lot of people to go through the whole therapy process is a, is is an awful it's a lot of pain i know it's the only route sure. at the moment that we have but what you just spoke about getting really down there yeah. deep and having different processes to le- release for, yeah. the, for the mind to connect with the yeah. body yeah. and to release all that stuff yeah yeah it's it's futuristic stuff i know but it's hap it's going to happen but it's happening it's going yeah. to happen you know? I, I don't know a lot uh, sorry I'd say to put it simple uh, a lot simpler I don't know anything about the benefits yet mm. of psychedelics mm. I'm aware of it and I'm here some of my colleagues in the states particularly are talking to me about it but I just haven't got up to speed with it at all it's in the infancy anyway yeah well, watch this space maybe oh, yeah. down the sure. line you, you'll be trained in the MDMA or something <laughs> <laughs> you're always yeah. upskilling by the sounds of that's it. right so, fair yeah. Touch, yeah. Yeah. the cutting edge of therapy so it, it's been an honour talking to you you come Thank highly you so recommended much, yeah. and I can t- totally see why it was a pleasure talking to you very educational and we're after highlighting plenty of methods that people can use to help themselves a quick google search will show up EMDR different types of therapy in your local area so go for it and if you have uh, if you wanted to tell us how you got on that'd be great definitely yeah so thank you so thanks much, a million Gus. Gus great and it was very informative as well I learned so much there yeah. from your uh, from everything really that you spoke about and it's after helping me in my own journey to understand a lot you know so it's it's great to, to listen to you and you've came highly highly recommended as James has said and, and, and I we just want to thank you for a few sessions there <laughs> thank you for, your, for, for everything and for, You're welcome. for yeah, all absolutely. the work you've done in the CIT with all the, the, the psychotherapists that are out there now at the moment and, and, and for what they're doing helping people like me and James like um, it's just thank you basically thank you and well yeah, i think it might be important to acknowledge what you're doing yeah thank you thank you very much thank you very much yeah we'll take that we we'll see you all next week thanks everyone hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.